Section 16 of The Prince and Betty by P. G. Woodhouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 16 Two Visitors to the Office. There was once an editor of a paper in the far west who was sitting at his desk musing pleasantly on life when a bullet crashed through the window and embedded itself in the wall at the back of his head. A happy smile lighted up the editor's face. "'Ah,' he said complacently, "'I knew that personal column of ours would make a hit.' What the bullet was to the Far West editor, the visit of Mr. Martin Parker to the offices of Peaceful Moments was to Smith it occurred shortly after the publication of the second number of the new series and was directly due to betty's first and only suggestion for the welfare of the paper if the first number of the series had not staggered humanity it had at least caused a certain amount of comment the warm weather had begun and there was nothing much going on in new york the papers were consequently free to take notice of the change in policy of peaceful moments through the agency of smith's newspaper friends it received some very satisfactory free advertisement and the sudden increase in the sales enabled smith to bear up with fortitude against the numerous letters of complaint from old subscribers who did not know what was good for them visions of a large new public which should replace these brooklyn and flatbush ingrates filled his mind the sporting section of the paper pleased him most the personality of kid brady bulked large in it a photograph of the ambitious pugilist looking moody and important in an attitude of self-defence filled half a page and under the photograph was the legend jimmy garvin must meet this boy jimmy was the present holder of the lightweight title he had won it a year before and since then had confined himself to smoking cigars as long as walking sticks and appearing nightly in a vaudeville sketch entitled a fight for honor his reminiscences were being published in a sunday paper it was this that gave smith the idea of publishing kid brady's autobiography in peaceful moments an idea which won the kid's whole-hearted gratitude like most pugilists he had a passion for bursting into print print is the fighter's accolade it signifies that he has arrived he was grateful to smith too for not editing his contributions jimmy garvin groaned under the supervision of a member of the staff of his sunday paper who deleted his best passages and altered the rest into addisonian english the readers of the peaceful moments got their brady raw comrade brady said smith meditatively to betty one morning has a singularly pure and pleasing style it is bound to appeal powerfully to the many-headed listen to this our hero is fighting one benson in the latter's home town san francisco and the audience is rooting hard for the native son here is comrade brady on the subject i looked round that house and i seen i hadn't a friend in it and then the gong goes and i says to myself how i has one friend my old mother down in illinois and i goes in and mixes it and then i seen benson losing his goat so i gives him a half scissor hook and in the next round i picks up a sleep producer from the floor and hands it to him and he takes the count that is what the public wants crisp lucid 
and to the point if that does not get him a fight with some eminent person nothing will he leaned back in his chair what we really need now he said thoughtfully is a good honest muckraking series that's the thing to put the paper on the map the worst of it is that everything seems to have been done have you by any chance a second frenzied finance at the back of your mind or proofs that nut sundays are composed principally of tomain and outlying portions of the american workingman it would be the making of us now it happened that in the course of her rambles through the city betty had lost herself one morning in the slums the experience had impressed itself on her mind with an extraordinary vividness her lot had always been cast in pleasant places and she had never before been brought into close touch with this side of life the sight of actual raw misery had come home to her with an added force from that circumstance wandering on she had reached a street which eclipsed in cheerlessness even its squalid neighbors all the smells and noises of the east side seemed to be penned up here in a sort of canyon the masses of dirty clothes hanging from the fire escapes increased the atmosphere of depression groups of ragged children covered the roadway it was these that had stamped the scene so indelibly on her memory she loved children and these seemed so draggled and uncared for smith's words gave her an idea do you know broster street mr smith she asked down on the east side yes i went there once to get a story one red-hot night in august when i was on the news the ice company had been putting up their prices and trouble was expected down there i was sent to cover it he did not add that he had spent a week's salary that night buying ice and distributing it among the denizens of broster street it's an awful place said betty her eyes filling with tears those poor children smith nodded some of those tenement houses are fierce he said thoughtfully like betty he found himself with a singularly clear recollection of his one visit to broster street but you can't do anything why not cried betty oh why not surely you couldn't have a better subject for your series it's wicked people only want to be told about them to make them better why can't we draw attention to them it's been done already not about broster street but about other tenements tenements as a subject are played out the public isn't interested in them besides it wouldn't be any use you can't tree the man who is really responsible unless you can spend thousands scaring up evidence the land belongs in the first place to some corporation or other they lease it to a lessee when there's a fuss they say they aren't responsible it's up to the lessee and he bright boy lies so low you can't find out who he is but we could try urged betty smith looked at her curiously the cause was plainly one that lay near to her heart her face was flushed and eager he wavered and having wavered he did what no practical man should do he allowed sentiment to interfere with business he knew that a series of articles on broster street would probably be so much dead weight on the paper something to be skipped by the average reader but he put the thought aside very well he said if you care to turn in a few crisp remarks on the subject i'll print them betty's first instalment was ready on the following morning it was a curious composition a critic might have classed it with kid brady's reminiscences for there was a complete absence of literary style 
it was just a wail of pity and a cry of indignation straight from the heart and split up into paragraphs smith read it with interest and sent it off to the printer unaltered have another ready for next week comrade brown he said it's a long shot but this might turn out to be just what we need and when two days after the publication of the number containing the article mr martin parker called at the office he felt that the long shot had won out he was holding forth on life in general to betty shortly before the luncheon hour when pugsy maloney entered bearing a card martin parker said smith taking it i don't know him we make new friends daily he's a guy with a tall shaped hat volunteered master maloney and he's wearing a dude suit and shiny shoes comrade parker said smith approvingly has evidently not been blind to the importance of a visit to peaceful moments he has dressed himself in his best he has felt rightly that this is no occasion for the flannel suit and the old straw hat i would not have it otherwise it is the right spirit show the guy in we will give him audience pugsy withdrew mr martin parker proved to be a man who might have been any age between thirty-five and forty-five he had a dark face and a black moustache as pugsy had stated in effect he wore a morning coat trousers with a crease which brought a smile of kindly approval to smith's face and patent leather shoes of pronounced shininess i want to see the editor he said will you take a seat said smith he pushed a chair toward the visitor who seated himself with the care inspired by a perfect trouser crease there was a momentary silence while he selected a spot on the table on which to place his hat i have come about a private matter he said looking meaningly at betty who got up and began to move toward the door smith nodded to her and she went out say said mr parker hasn't something happened to this paper these last few weeks they used not to take such interest in things used it you are very right responded smith comrade renshaw's methods were good in their way i have no quarrel with comrade renshaw but he did not lead public thought he catered exclusively to children with water on the brain and men and women with solid ivory skulls i feel that there are other and larger publics i cannot content myself with ladling out a weekly dole of predigested mental breakfast food i then you i guess said mr parker are responsible for this broster street thing at any rate i approve of it and put it in the paper if any husky guy as comrade maloney would put it is anxious to aim a swift kick at the author of that article he can aim it at me i see said mr parker he paused it said number one in the paper does that mean there are going to be more of them there is no flaw in your reasoning there are to be several more mr parker looked at the door it was closed he bent forward see here he said i'm going to talk straight if you'll let me assuredly comrade parker there must be no secrets no restraint between us i would not have you go away and say to yourself did i make my meaning clear was i too elusive mr parker scratched the floor with a point of a gleaming shoe he seemed to be searching for words say on urged smith have you come to point out some flaw in that article does it fall short in any way of your standard for such work mr parker came to the point if i were you he said i should quit it i shouldn't go on with those articles why inquired smith because said mr parker 
He looked at Smith and smiled slowly, an ingratiating smile. Smith did not respond. "'I do not completely gather your meaning,' he said. "'I fear I must ask you to hand it to me with still more breezy frankness. Do you speak from purely friendly motives? Are you advising me to discontinue the series because you fear that it will damage the literary reputation of the paper? Do you speak solely as a literary connoisseur? Or are there other reasons?' Mr. Parker leaned forward. "'The gentleman whom I represent—' "'Then this is no matter of your own personal taste. There is another?' "'See here. I am representing a gentleman who shall be nameless, and I have come on his behalf to tip you off to quit this game. These articles of yours are liable to cause him inconvenience.' "'Financial? Do you mean that he may possibly have to spend some of his spare doubloons in making Brewster Street fit to live in?' It's not so much the money, it's the publicity. There are reasons why he would prefer not to have it made too public that he's the owner of the tenements down there. Well, he knows what to do. If he makes Broster Street fit for a not-too-fastidious pig to live in— Mr. Parker coughed, a tentative cough, suggesting that the situation was now about to enter upon a more delicate phase. Now see here, sir, he said. I'm going to be frank. I'm going to put my cards on the table and see if we can't fix something up. Now see here, we don't want any unpleasantness. You aren't in this business for your health, eh? You've got your living to make, same as everybody else, I guess. Well, this is how it stands. To a certain extent I don't mind owning, since we're being frank with one another, you've got us. That's to say, this gentleman I'm speaking of, in a cleft stick. Frankly, that Broster Street story of yours has attracted attention. I saw it myself in two Sunday papers, and if there's going to be any more of them— well, now, here's a square proposition. How much do you want to stop those articles? That's straight. I've been frank with you, and I want you to be frank with me. What's your figure? Name it, and if you don't want the earth, I guess we needn't quarrel. He looked expectantly at Smith. Smith, gazing sadly at him through his monocle, spoke quietly with the restrained dignity of some old Roman senator dealing with the enemies of the Republic. Comrade Parker, he said, I fear that you have allowed your intercourse with this worldly city to undermine your moral sense. It is useless to dangle rich bribes before the editorial eyes. Peaceful moments cannot be muzzled. You doubtless mean well, according to your somewhat murky lights, but we are not for sale except at fifteen cents weekly. From the hills of Maine to the Everglades of Florida, from Portland, Oregon, to Millen-Squashville, Tennessee, one sentence is in every man's mouth. And what is that sentence? I give you three guesses. You give it up. It is this. Peaceful moments cannot be muzzled. Mr. Parker rose. Nothing doing, then? he said. Nothing. Mr. Parker picked up his hat. Say here, he said, a grating note in his voice, hitherto smooth and conciliatory. I've no time to fool away talking to you. I've given you your chance. Those stories are going to be stopped, and if you've any sense at all, you'll stop them yourself before you get hurt. That's all I've got to say, and that goes. He went out, closing the door behind him with a bang that added emphasis to his words. All very painful and disturbing, murmured Smith. Comrade Brown, he called. Betty came in. Did our late visitor bite a piece out of you on his way out? He was in the mood to do something of the sort. "'He seemed angry,' said Betty. "'He was angry,' said Smith. "'Do you know what has happened, Comrade Brown? 
with your very first contribution to the paper you have hit the bull's-eye you have done the state some service friend parker came as the representative of the owner of those broster street houses he wanted to buy us off we've got them scared or he wouldn't have shown his hand with such refreshing candour have you any engagements at present i was just going out to lunch if you could spare me not alone this lunch is on the office as editor of this journal i will entertain you if you will allow me to a magnificent banquet peaceful moments is grateful to you peaceful moments he added with the contented look the far west editor must have worn as the bullet came through the window is owing to you going some now when they returned from lunch and re-entered the outer office pugsy maloney raising his eyes for a moment from his book met them with the information that another caller had arrived and was waiting in the inner room there's a guy in there waiting to see youse he said jerking his head towards the door yet another guy this is our busy day did he give a name says his name's maud said mr maloney turning a page maud cried betty falling back smith beamed old john maud he said great i've been wondering what on earth he's been doing with himself all this time good old john you'll like him he said turning and stopped abruptly for he was speaking to the empty air betty had disappeared where's miss brown pugsy he said where did she go pugsy vouchsafed another jerk of the head in the direction of the outer door she's beaten it he said i seen her make a break for de stairs guess she's forgotten to remember something he added indifferently turning once more to his romance of prairie life goyles is boneheads end of chapter sixteen read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com